0: Sorry to bother you, buddy boy, but the little lady forgot her galoshes. Mr. Kirkby, I don't like to complain, but you were supposed to be out of here by eight. I know, buddy boy, I know, but
1: those things don't always run on schedule like a Greyhound bus. Well, I don't mind in the summer, it's on a rainy night. I haven't had any dinner yet. Uh, sure, sure. Um, oh.
0: Uh, look, kid, I, I put in a good word for you with Sheldrake and personnel. Mr. Sheldrake? That's right. We were discussing our department, manpower-wise, promotion-wise. I told him what a bright boy you are. They're always on the lookout for young executives. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're on your way up, buddy boy, and you're also out of liquor. Oh, I know. Mr. Eichelberger, Mortgage and Loan Department. Last night, he had a little Halloween party. Yeah, here. well, lay in some vodka and some vermouth and put my name on it. Yes, Mr. Kirkaby. You still owe me for the last two bottles. <laughs> yeah, I'll pay you on Friday. Oh, and uh, whatever happened to those little cheese crackers you used to have around?
1: All of my emotions feel the same, feel the same. If you don't like where this is going, look away, look away. You're not in my way, you're in my path, look at that. All of my emotions feel the same. What a laugh, you're covering
0: your All right, hi, everyone. Welcome to the, I guess, the inaugural episode uh, of Offscreen Death. Um, this is a show where me, Dave, and my co-host, Mike, kind of take a look at movies i think in a slightly different way i'm going to come at this from the you know kind of standard pompous cinephile movie list perspective and mike is going to take a look at movies that are maybe especially on upon release like less thought of um maybe were poorly reviewed um but there's something good to them and maybe a little bit more accessible uh than the movies i choose because as i they're good because I say they're good that's dude. right it's the it's the Mike stamp of approval, yes, absolutely it's either it's good or it stinks those are the two the two Mike Denniston calls uh, uh, that's
1: pretty good that's yeah the that's one. true
0: that's pretty good. <laughs> save for things like you know, like moonlight it's pretty good mm. that's yeah yeah, exactly, yeah. so um in this first episode, um I get to take the reins to start off with um so we get kind of movies that are commonly accepted as classics or, you know, kind of standards of the form. And, you know, there's a lot of choices here um, because, you know, as we mentioned on our introductory episode to all this, there's lots of movie lists out there that have, you know, the hundred greatest movies of all time or a hundred years, a hundred movies. I mean, honestly, throw a rock and you'll hit five of these lists on the internet. Like they're absolutely everywhere. But I wanted to pick a movie that fits into a little bit of both categories like a movie that's fun and also a movie that's well thought of so i went with the apartment which if you listen to us back in the uh podcast directed by days you will know mm. mike was very annoyed that we never got into billy wilder so finally mm-hmm. finally we take a look at something that billy wilder did uh so the apartment was a movie that was on afi's uh kind of 100 years 100 movies lists I think Mike told me off mic that originally it was number 93 and then they kind of didn't update and it moved all the way up to number 80 so I don't know what happened uh in those 10 years uh that a movie from 1960 all of a sudden got a reappraisal uh but here we are with the apartment and this is a movie Mike, that for a long time it was one of those you know and we talked about this on the Introductory episode, that list of shame. So he's like, I can't believe I haven't seen that. Like, I really need to get around that. And that was the apartment for me until I think ooh, one or two years ago. Like, I had never seen it. Like, it's, of course, part of the cultural lexicon. Like, you know about it, uh, but I'd never seen it. And I was afraid when I watched it that I would be underwhelmed by it because of all the kind of effusive praise for it. Uh, but that was absolutely not the case. Like, I think this is, especially for the time, kind of a shockingly dark romantic comedy. Because um, it's definitely got a lot of the rom-com tropes. It's got a meet cute going on, you know. It's got that kind of active romance, but it's also, I mean, there's a, there's a suicide attempt in this movie. I mean, it's it's yeah. a lot. And I remember yeah. when I first watched this, like I was already shocked by the whole like, you know, she was, you know, hooking up with the married man uh, who ran the office, and then all of a sudden it got so bad that she took a bunch of sleeping pills. Like I was not expecting that because a lot of this movie, I guess, about half of this movie, is very light. When you've got these two leads together, but then as real life does, it kind of shifts into the dark really quickly. But I think it still manages to do a good job of feeling at least mildly realistic in those shifts. Um, And I think that, to me, I think is what sets it apart from movies of the time and romantic comedies in general and kind of brings it to the top for me, is those shifts in tone.
1: Well... I had a hard time with this mm. one, mainly because I really hated Jack Lemmon mm. and that stupid fucking hat that he wears. I hated... it's, a, it's a rough hat. It's. Uh, I thought we were going to go to the spaghetti straining and the the tennis racket. And... and he he seems so unsure about it, with good reason. Yeah uh, the the hat comes up uh, more than I'd I'd care to see uh, because I, I I it's a quick no it's not working uh, don't do that uh, but it becomes this thing which. You know, it's part of the physical comedy that Jack Lemmon is capable of. The, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not saying that he's a prop comic <laughs> here, uh, but it is this silly hat is him making himself increasingly silly uh, by trying to be more respectable. It's status, uh, right? Uh, the, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so the situations that he puts himself in that are, you know, they're sitcomish uh, <laughs> and not. I mean, it, it's sitcomish before the, you know, the that form was particularly established, which is he is. Uh, renting out his apartment for affairs that his superiors can have, in the hopes that you know this one hand washes the right. other, that he will advance. Uh, now, I think I think it's important, probably from a, a sympathy point of view from the audience, that he is not someone that, as we seen in the film, uh, has much game. Does does not have much success. I'd say zero movies. game, like this guy. <laughs> because if if he did. And he's still renting out his place to advance himself professionally. You're getting into all manner of sort of misogyny, I think, at that point of how he views mm-hmm. women, because if he if he is just betting them down, and he sees it as fair game for these married men to do the same to act as he's acting as a bachelor. I, you know, even I was about to say even in the '60s, but I would say now because you and I have also had conversations uh on on the. An episode, a recent episode, uh, as of this recording of a podcast, directed by, as far as how sex is now becoming even more um, uncomfortable for people to to view uh, in movie settings, where it's like you know it's got it can be kind of like a plot point, but we don't actually want to experience it with these people <laughs> because for whatever reason, and you know I say these words, and I'm like that makes no sense. Why would you not want to experience it with these people? Jack Lemmon though would be one of those. Those guys, mm. I think, where it's 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 abstract for him. These are things that other people do, but it's not really my world. Except it's happening in his his homestead. So there's a lot I liked about it, except for that hat and and the, and the suicide the suicide attempt. I don't know how I feel about it because I'll I'll out myself here. I this is a first time watch for oh, me. Oh really? This is one that I, I always meant to get around to. Uh, I wanted to pull up the book that turned me off of this uh, for decades. Uh, It's called Alternate Oscars uh, by Danny Perry, which uh, says here, according to Amazon, uh, January 1st, 1993, which I can't imagine that's the actual publication date. But there's 93, right? Somewhere. A hundred years Um, ago. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I was the movie dork even as a child that. You know, I was looking for things that I think are now probably multiple columns and podcasts, uh, water cooler talk, if you want to call it that, as far as what should have won the Oscar. Uh, this was my only point of reference for The Apartment was um, it beat Psycho and Psycho uh, should have yep. won. And that was because he goes year by year and says, here's what won. Here's what should have. And so as a big Hitchcock oh, kid yeah. – I was just like, "Yes, yes. Tell me how much, how much the apartment stinks <laughs> compared to Psycho." Which, I assure you, I didn't go back and, and read this book. I've got a tattered copy somewhere of it still. Uh, I'm pretty sure he probably did not talk shit about the apartment, but but it's Psycho you know, for any number it's of psycho. reasons. Psycho. I mean, it's just yeah, like Citizen yeah, Kane. Losing. You're like, it doesn't yeah. really matter how good
0: that other movie is because Psycho is, you know, on any list you're going to find probably one of the top twenty five movies ever made, regardless mm-hmm. of years. So the The chances that something would come out in nineteen sixty that was better than Psycho are pretty fucking small. So yeah, that's that's hard. That's, that's tough competition.
1: But I got over it. Okay. I got over the hat. I had a harder time with the suicide because I think that that part of the movie then feels like okay, this is you know, I mean, for good reason, not fun and games right. anymore. <laughs> And I guess I enjoyed the playfulness of, you know, this man screwing himself, <laughs> um, you know, developing a cold because he has to go sleep on a bench because he's trying to help out these guys cheat on their wives. Uh, I enjoyed those shenanigans, uh, but it, it does get uh, to some degree personal when you introduce someone like Charlotte McLean, which I think you as the audience are supposed to see along with the Jack Lemon character, like, ooh, I, you know. I like something about mm-hmm. her. Like, something's going to happen. She's got a spark. The things, yeah. Mm-hmm. the things that happen are not nice. <laughs> yes.
0: These. Not nice. Not at all. Yeah. I actually think that that moment in the film is, for me, the film's only flaw. Um Because I think... Are you talking about Charlotte MacLaine? N- no. <laughs> the suicide attempt, particularly. <laughs> Shirley MacLaine is wonderful. She's fantastic in yeah. this. But... Um, I think it robs her of a little bit of agency in the decisions that she ends up making later. Uh, because this is, I think, one of the things that spurs her to end that relationship. Uh, is, mm. you know, seeing how bad things get. But when you have a character reach rock bottom like that, it feels like, okay, obviously we know where this is headed now. Like, this is not something that, that you could really come back from in that way. And I wish there was a little bit, and of course the film follows
1: him. But I wish it followed her just a tiny bit more, and like, do you think it robs him of agency in that moment too? Because it's like this is something he kind of right. Mean, you can't just let her die. Yes, he, he has to deal with it because you have this woman recovering in his place. Yeah. So it presents him, strange as to say, with a suicide attempt, an easier way for him to woo her. Hundred percent by just being there, yep. by just just being present is all it really requires. Of him. And I I found that a little unfair because I actually do like the, you know, awkward chemistry that they both, because they're both awkward characters. I mean, she's cooler. Than him, no, that's not a, a hard gate to clear. That I, I wish this, if this was a you know whatever you know, haberdashery we, a, hour
0: from like Teniston just that we, we have a
1: a, a great uh, podcast logo that we just commissioned, but I'm really tempted on episode one. Like maybe we just put him in that stupid a hat fucking hat, just so they understand they can look at their phone and see what I'm talking about. But yeah, I, I did feel like it it robbed both of them uh, of. A more more honest uh connection that is not tied to uh, you know, other men's uh irresponsibility, mm-hmm. as it were. Which obviously a lot of this is going to be um done that way because Jack Lemon has set that up. But you know, you have the, the broken mirror, uh that those those elements of it where the where the characters both have to come to those conclusions as far as oh, oh, like both of us have been kind of treading water mm-hmm. in this world. Um, and to the film's credit, I don't think that Jack Lemon, the way he plays it, makes some sort of judgment against her. I was shocked by that, actually. Yeah. Oh, she's not who I thought she mm-hmm. was. He, instead, I, th- I think it feels like he's internalizing mm-hmm. it. Like, oh, like, you know, he's looking in on himself as far as like what he's done more so. it's just, And now he feels even more guilt that he's brought someone in without fully knowing it that he actually has developed a connection with i really like that aspect of the movie that there was there was a lack of judgment on her from from at least his performance
0: yeah yeah absolutely and i think you know you bring up this interesting point of of it taking away his agency of like actually being a quote-unquote good guy and like you know being there for her because he has no choice tr- like he's got to call the doctor lives like stormy. you can't just let this woman die in your apartment right because if that happens then you have a lot of explaining to do so it feels like not a selfless act. The only, I guess, the only moment where you can see him make a choice that's like, is kicking the other woman out. Hey, over here, Bubber. What's all the running around about? You're gonna weigh yourself out. Not so rough, honey. Good night. Good night. Party's over. What's
1: the matter? Did I do something wrong?
0: It's an emergency. I'll see you some other time. And not this one. In there, Doc. Here anyway Nothing. will you? Please, just get out. My shoes. Some lover you are. Some sex part. Here, find a phone booth and call your husband in Savannah. You bet I will. And when I tell him how you treated me, he'll push you Like just okay, you you gotta go, and he makes up some story, and she gets her feelings hurt, and it's like it's very much a stereotypical nineteen sixties ditzy blonde. Like it's 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 kind of the one part of the movie, um, comedy wise, that feels kind of hack hacky. Um, is that bit? Um, and but but I think it supports this idea you're talking about, where he has no game because like basically he just finds the dumbest girl who has had <laughs> the most to drink and
1: brings her back home, and it's like and it's kind of a do you like CC Baxter when he breaks bad? Do you like him at the bar being the sad sack? Just sort of- it is disturbing to watch. It is like <laughs> it is such and I think a lot of it is because he's such a great
0: physical comedian. But there is a obvious change. I think the the hardest thing for me to deal with, and this comes from my own history of movies that I've watched, like when I was a kid, you know, watching all these like Disney Channel movies, right, with people like Fred McMurray, and then seeing him as this fucking monster like just like you know yeah i'm married but whatever who gives a shit like you know it's just like oh and seeing that guy be that character is a little disturbing but that just comes and i'm sure um you know adult viewers back in the 1960s probably viewed these disney movies in a similar way that we do when serious actors get involved in marvel movies where we're like
1: or i mean um... (laughs) Let's go from Eddie Murphy in Raw to Doctor Doolittle oh. and the Nutty Professor, Daddy you know I mean? Daycare.
0: Yeah, it's it's a lot.
1: That's yeah. I mean, you know, I I have to. I didn't call out Daddy Daycare because maybe it'll appear on this oh. podcast because I, I think I can shine that one up. <laughs> I've never seen it, so bring it on.
0: <laughs> you fucking would. It would not surprise me one bit.
1: Let's see if it's on Stars first. But, but you yes.
0: also brought up the chemistry, and I think that. That is where this movie hinges. If you don't buy into those two together, like this movie completely falls apart. And it's not it's not an easy sell. Uh you mentioned awkward chemistry, and I think that's
1: a great way to put it. This is not, you know, Tom Hanks. Well, and- her job is awkward. Yeah. She has to stay in there and listen I mean to other <laughs> right. people's bullshit. Right. And as an elevator <laughs> operator, which talk about a throwback position that i don't think about often (laughs) but i I know that was a thing but even then it's like do can't push your own fucking buttons like this
0: (laughs) (laughs) but like that chemistry it's not you know tom hanks and meg ryan where it's like very easy and you kind of just slip in there and it's like oh yeah this is comfortable um it's not comfortable because she is from the beginning kind of constantly pushing back and pushing him away. And of course we find out why later and it's for very good reason, but you are kind of sitting there like, wow, this feels like it's trying to be a romance, but like she won't even meet him for a, you know, a free ticket to a show. Like, it's like, what is going on here? And then when it finally all comes together, you're like, okay, I get it now. And it's, and Lemon is so awkward that like, I can see it being a hard sell for people. Um, You know, a lonely bachelor, and bachelor only in the sense that he lives alone, not in that he's like a swinging bachelor in the 60s, like just kind of like really struggling to make it through. And what really stood out to me as I was watching this is everyone using this apartment, I just kept thinking like, this is such a tiny apartment. Like it <laughs> it threw me off because I was like, these bigwigs, these rich men are like, you know, having these clandestine affairs. Um, and they're taking her to this tiny little shitty apartment. Like, I I feel like (laughs) these guys make so much money. Like, can't you just all, all three of you split a nice apartment? Uh, but I guess, you know... They stay rich by not paying for things. Uh, maybe maybe that's it. But I kept, like, focusing on the size of this apartment. Like, doesn't really have a kitchen. It just... <laughs> like, you can barely turn around. It looked like, you know, one of those Tiny Houses <laughs> episodes where you're just like, oh, man, how do you live like that? Like, I cannot picture this. But it works for the physical you don't comedy. don't think
1: that... Uh... Jack Lemmon would have, you know, transplanted him to now, would have had like a YouTube channel where he's talking about how minimalist he yeah, is. Yeah, guaranteed. Look, he makes spaghetti with He would have been even more and... annoying in <laughs> 1960. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because I, I didn't realize you just go to the, the Wikipedia. Of course it it won Best Picture, Best Director, uh the Academy Awards. Um unfortunately, you know, I, I do feel like this is very much an actor's movie. So it always You know, it pains me when I see Jack Lemmon and Sherlock MacLaine both nominated uh, in their acting categories for the leads, but that's it. Didn't win. Did they Um, lose to anyone good, though? Like anyone particularly memorable? uh, That's a good question. Um, The reason I had that pulled up was that the initial reaction was split, not on maybe the quality of it, but I guess maybe the morality of the Mm, movie. I believe Uh, it mcmurray talks about being accosted by women on the street uh for, and i think there was one critic that said it was a dirty fairy tale hmm. which you know maybe, maybe that is fair uh because it, it does have some fairy tale like qualities about it and i guess it was dirty you know for the time uh it makes us a little uncomfortable um, yeah even now i don't i don't see anyone mentioning the hat making them uncomfortable but you know <laughs> whatever um yeah, who won for, let's see, best actor? Burt Lancaster for Elmer Gantry. Not great. Uh, God, talk about overacting and that one. Um, but yeah, nominated alongside Laurence Olivier and Spencer Tracy, so you're getting into some pretty stiff competition. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor for Butterfield 8 won. I just watched that yeah, recently. Yeah, I saw that
0: come up on my podcast feed. I didn't listen to it because I haven't seen the movie, but...
1: Well, unfortunately I put that on sober cinema and I don't know if Elizabeth Taylor, uh, we have a big crowd for that, but our you guest, have one big. Uh, Derek you Stewart, have one. <laughs> Derek of the grand jester is like a huge fan of any old women, actress. Yes. Women of that time period, Elizabeth Taylor being prime example. Uh, funny. She won for this. And in research for that episode, uh, she hated this movie and thought it was trash <laughs> and she won for it. So what works for, uh, Elizabeth Taylor did not work for Burt Reynolds when he trashed Boogie Nights, <laughs> you know, he lost to someone that actually liked their movie and Robin Williams. Uh, but yeah, that is, uh, pretty awful. Cause I think Shirley, Shirley, Shirley McLean is uh, the best part. Of oh, that I agree. Yeah. And me. from nothing against Jack lemon, yeah. but I feel like hers is possibly a more thankless role. And it is like, you watch it and you're like, wow, that's a true, true movie star performance.
0: Yeah. And you see it from the moment she appears on screen. Like, you just know there is something about her. Um, as, you know, you see her as Jack Lemon sees her. Um, and that is that's not something you can write into a movie. That's not something you can kind of direct it into a movie with the way you shoot her and all, but that's not what's happening here. It's just like front facing camera showing her face. And she just has that something uh, when, when you see her. And like, when I first watched this, like I knew, I knew Shirley MacLaine was in it. Like I saw her in the cast list, but it like, didn't, it didn't connect with me that like, Oh, that Shirley MacLaine, who I've seen as an older actress, much more than as a young actress. And then when she speaks in this movie, you're like, Oh my God, like just what a, it's, it's always strange when you, when you know someone as an older actor or actress and then you see them, uh, in their twenties. It's always like, oh, yeah, you can kind of see <laughs> the face that's going to be there later in life, but like it's just such an incredible transformation, kind of going backwards. Um, but she's phenomenal and <laughs> you, you have a much more optimistic
1: <laughs> look than I do where I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I never look like that. And then like, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> look what look what I'm becoming! Like we're all, all going to die soon. <laughs>
0: Always a good way to look at things. But but I think you're. I, I find it interesting that you call this more of a thankless part. And I think you're kind of right. But also, I think there's more for her to do here. There's more there's more dramatic tension going on with her than with jack lemon jack lemon his biggest dramatic thing until she enters is like how am i going to get a raise how am i going to get a promotion like that's you know we all have done that we all go through that maybe not we don't share our apartment with our bosses so they can you know bed down their mistresses but that's pretty standard stuff but for her it's like well he doesn't have like an interior life really. right right
1: he has, he has a skull from right. that And
0: side. it's interesting because from the start, it feels like she doesn't either. And then as the kind of layers get peeled back, like you do find out about her interior life and her actual struggles. And he is really only there to save her life in that terrible moment and then find out who she actually is. Oh, Ms. Kubelik. How are you feeling?
1: I feel fine. How's your eye? Oh, fine. How's everything in C. Parton?
0: Nothing's changed.
1: You know, we never did finish that chin game. I know. I suppose you heard about Mr. Sheldrake.
0: You mean leaving his wife? Yeah. I'm very happy for you.
1: I never thought he'd
0: do it. I told you all along. See, you were wrong about Mr. Sheldrake. I guess so. For that matter, you were wrong about me, too. What you said about those who take, those who get, took. Well, Mr. Sheldrake wasn't using me. I was using him. See? Last month, I was at desk 861 on the 19th floor, and I'm on the 27th floor, paneled office, three windows. So it all worked out fine, both getting what we want. Yes.
1: You walking to the subway?
0: No, thank you. Well, I, uh, to tell you the truth, I have this heavy date for tonight.
1: Oh. Aren't you meeting Mr. Sheldrake? No. You know how people talk, so I decided it would be better if we didn't see each other until after everything was settled. Divorce
0: wise, it's very
1: wise.
0: Good night, Mr. Baxter. Good night. Um, as as everything kind of moves forward, because so for me, even though she doesn't have as much screen time as him, like she's the main character of this in a lot of ways. Like it really is about her. It's the hat. Isn't yeah, it? fuck that That's hat. I, I mean, that. were you were you secretly happy when that uh, when that cab driver laid him out? Were you? <laughs> I wasn't unhappy. I wish he'd been wearing the hat, so the hat would have like flown off. I mean, that would have been.
1: (laughs) No, he's getting handed off to some poor bastard um, who hopefully can do something, something with it. Um, Yeah, the 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 imagery with the keys and everything, like these physical things that we're we're giving up. Um, Even his, (laughs) I I suppose, high tech office that he earns, which just a lot going on there. (laughs) It looks awful. Yeah, you know, you got compartments and things coming out of walls and uh yeah the the idea of the future um actually i guess that goes to like whatever is extremely stylish in the moment Mm -hmm. uh probably will not age well and yes i'm talking about the hat again as well going back (laughs) to that um but this is and you had said you want to set up our first proper episode even though there's like a (laughs) there's a trailer that in true Uh, fashion of our conversations is like 17 minutes long (laughs) which is not a full episode podcast trailer yeah (laughs) but you wanted something that was uh classic but still uh moved at a modern Mm -hmm. pace i believe that's how you kind of set this up and i think you uh you hit the nail on the head with this one in that regard
0: yeah i mean you know when you um i think billy wilder is always kind of a good choice for that like he was
1: not for a no, podcast no, director, by never. the way.
0: Uh, but he was kind of wildly <laughs> ahead of his time as far as comedy and, and as far as pacing. Boo.
1: Boo on the pun there.
0: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I didn't even mean to. That is terrible. He is uh, uh, insanely ahead of his time. A lot. I don't know. Uh, but he is ahead of his time or was ahead of his time for, for that pacing and, and that comedy. So that feels like an easy choice. And The Apartment is on every single list. Um, and it's something I was kind of grateful I, we were going to talk about something I hadn't seen like a hundred times. Like if I had started with Lawrence of Arabia and finally made you watch that fucking movie, like, I mean, Uh, I've, uh. I've literally watched that movie probably 30 times. So it's like, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have to watch it again. I could just talk about it, but this, you know, I'd only seen it once and that was like a year or two ago. So this feels like a classic, but something I could return to and still kind of enjoy on that level Where you don't see every bit coming, you don't see the gags around the corner. It's and and I think this movie also balances, um, you know, drama versus comedy really well. Like I think that moment when our supposed lead character, you know, finally says no to his boss, I think works really, really well because you're not. It doesn't clue you in. Before that moment happens, you don't know that he's given him the wrong key. You don't really, you know, if you're not like watching with an eagle eye, you're like, oh, God, is he really going back and doing the same thing again? So when he finally stands up, it is a very like exciting, like rah-rah moment. Like finally, he has finally done the right thing, even if it's going to cost him his job. He has done the right thing for, you know, this person who is, I mean, kind of literally been abused to the point of a suicide attempt. Like, who he likes. So, like, yeah, maybe you should finally stand up for her. Uh, because given that it's in 1960 and the world that they're portraying here, she has no power in this situation. She's, you know, she runs an elevator in an office building and the person who is abusing her runs the whole place. So she has no one to stand up for her. So it's nice that we finally, you know, all, for a moment, all the awkwardness goes away and he does the right thing. And I think it's just kind of a fantastic, and it's 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 built into the script in such a way that it, even though it is a drastic change, it still feels like yes, this is the moment, this is the right time.
1: Well, yeah, in particular for you're speaking of uh, the powerlessness of the characters. You know, the only power that Jack Lemmon's character has uh, is that he has a physical space. They can be filled by other people who are actually desirable to these men, not him. Right, <laughs> just as uh, good enough for a bachelor apartment and uh, more than understanding neighbors. I think with the amount This of is some of my favorite bits in the in the movie. There. Actually,
0: is the stuff with the neighbors, like them just looking across the hall. Like God, he's at it again.
1: This animal. <laughs> I. It would be like. um uh that Joel Schumacher, I think it's him movie I never saw Jim Carrey, the uh the number twenty three. Mm-hmm. That would be me as one of the neighbors becoming consumed with how that guy in that stupid fucking hat is pulling down <laughs> <laughs> all of this. Yeah, drinking like nine fifths of vodka a night. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh God, the uh know, yeah, the this this a sort of natural order that the, the characters, at least until the, the happy ending of the film sort of buy into that, um you know, he's a servant to a, a, a completely, you know, higher class than him. Not only that he's <laughs> allowing them to uh, contain their affairs in his living quarters, but that he has to stock the bar and then apologize for not <laughs> having maybe the adequate, um, you know, lubrication that they need (laughs) as far as like, well, you know, I was supposed to get that in, but you know, I didn't, I'm sorry. And could you please like not make too much of a mess? The the, the sort of begging nature of it all. um, It's probably still even very different from how we're used to seeing uh, like corporate climbers in movies now uh, where, you know, you see the amount of shit that they, they take from these uh, like horrible bosses as, you know, a a pretty broad comedy premise of that. Um, But just the expectation that someone jack like jack lemon that's what he would have to do do it they can't just you know he is even in his space he's just a number that like hideous shot of all of these people not even in cubicles you know they're, they don't even have the office space sort of prison cell on their own that they're just lined up uh, with their typewriters feels very um, brazil like i mean i know that obviously came much later yeah but, but... and and it's funny because brazil is doing that as far as like a absurdist sort of sci-fi right? premise and this <laughs> and this is just no. like well it's just the way of things yep. yeah. yeah um so it, it's it's interesting how dark the movie is but it it's like the film doesn't have that tone because our lead character doesn't seem to realize like <laughs> how bad his lot in life is. Like he grumbles about it, but there's the expectation because he's a, a man and he's done everything, you know, the right way. Uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you know, it's, it's fitting that the happy ending is him, you know, getting close to that, you know, whatever he perceived it and then throwing away. That's, that's a pretty stock movie trope, but it's one that still applies today. Like, I don't even think you can have, say like oh it's the morality of this coming out in 1960 that he had to turn from this i think just being a movie character the expectation is is that he has to turn from that do you think that was true in in
0: 1960 i mean i don't know i'm genuinely asking do you think that was a movie trope at that point or do you think this was generally genuinely surprising to people in 1960
1: Hmm. yeah i mean i think i think turning against uh, the powers that be whatever context that is. I mean, it's probably um, a
0: literary trope, right? Like I think yeah, it's a yeah. trope of art at that point. Right. Sure.
1: Um I don't know I don't know how many sort of uh not office spaces in the title, but the actual physical physical location of those I don't know if that was a subgenre yet. Yeah, like probably a workplace not. Comedy. Mm-hmm. Um this one, you know, definitely has that, but um the closest I could think would be like um the sort of screwball comedies about either like politicians or journalists. I think mm-hmm. that probably uh, cause that gets into, you know, all manner of, of sin because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, some things, <laughs> some the things same. never uh, change, buddy. This is... <laughs> uh, yeah. I kind of wish we could just go back to, you know, just maybe some physical affairs and that'd be the, the end of it. Just being a, a scumbag in your personal life, but, oh, well, um, all right, this has gotten to a dark place. So as, as you were talking, i you know, as
0: anyone who listens to our shows knows, as I'm watching these movies, or really any movie, because like, you're one of my best friends, and one of the things I'm always considering as I'm watching this, it's like, what would Mike think of this?
1: Um, as a- <laughs> that's, that's It's funny. I get a chance, because uh, I thought it was strange at the time. So I, I, I host a, a podcast, Nine nine from Nine nine, mm-hmm. with Ben Zook. And I think I said, um, I don't think about him that much, um, because you know we're not that friendly. You know, we're just... <laughs> yeah we're, we're we're just uh it's a business proposition say, here <laughs> well i was about to say that but i was like well we just lose money on it, so there's like a there's a hobbyist relationship there uh i actually i, I do like ben and we do we do talk about things other than movies but i have brought up on the rare occasion there are things that i think it was like oh this is a benzo right. joint and it bothers him to no end he's like why do you think about me like, you shouldn't even be thinking about me during a movie it ruins the experience for you he you mister like don't watch any trailers yeah, yeah. have no that outside fits. influence yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, even an influence that I'm conjuring up in my mind, uh, he says is a, a no-go. Um, and I always thought I was like, "Well, that's a weird response." But now I'm having it. Now that you're saying it, I'm like, "Don't think about me in my apartment." <laughs> so no. no, the moment that I I thought
0: about what you would think is something you brought up a little bit ago, and I was wondering if you were going to, because I didn't know if you had seen this before. Um, hmm. so I was wondering if you were going to go with the movie or not, and it's because that lead character is. I mean, so kind of weak in the beginning of the movie and it's just allowing these people to abuse him and that begging nature that you told me about. So did you, did you have any moments early in the movie where you're like, I cannot root for this fucking guy Mm. at all? Like, cause I cannot imagine like doing Hmm. that. Cause I can't either. I can't imagine like just being (laughs) like, oh yeah, come into my house. I'll sleep on a park bench. Like,
1: sure. No problem. Like, you know, I didn't have an issue with it because, and this is, uh, you know, I, I praise the film for its lack of judgment to Shirley, M- Shirley MacLaine's character, but I will now bring the judgment to the Jack and Lennon not just for the hat. But... <laughs> not just for the hat, but I'm like, well, you got you really got nothing going on, so might as well. Like, you know, if this is just gonna be that moment in time where you your version of abusing your body is getting sick because you don't have a roof over your head because you pimped it out to these men in the hopes that, you know, you will financially benefit from it down the line. You know, it's one of those things where I'm like, well, you're not hurting anyone else. So, you know, you're making a decision for yourself. And as long as you don't grumble too much about it, Mr. Lemon to me, you know, a, a little bit, a little bit of humor, but you know, the if it's if it becomes this, uh, it's not a
0: woe is me like, oh my
1: god, my life right. is so hard. Like, dude, it's you a, made that decision. A, That's on you. It's a Costanza. No, oh, I could see
0: that. You know, yeah,
1: type character where there's a, a certain amount of amusement of the predicament that this guy has. Put god, himself I didn't even in. think
0: about that, but you're completely right. Yeah. That is a very George Costanza move.
1: <laughs> and I was about to say, as long as he's not harming anyone else, but spoiler alert for Seinfeld. George Costanza's cheapness does get his fiancee killed. He harms so. people left and right in that show. <laughs> like that is... You know, I don't have a problem with it. There, that little <laughs> ball of rage coming into the scene to audience <laughs> applause. I'm fine with it. There. Um, no, I, I think, I think like a lot of things in life. Like you know, before someone like sells down or has any sort of attachments, I think you know, most movies, if it was in the sort of rom com guise, it would be the guy uh sleeping around, uh drinking too much, you know, that that sort of thing, living it up. And if he was in his early twenties, he'd be like, well, you know, he can. He's not married. He's not gonna hurt anyone else like these grown men above him. Um so it's kind of funny that the, the version of it is that he just gets to experience that by proxy yeah. <laughs> through other married <laughs> men abusing their bodies. <laughs> so I was fine with it. I've not seen I do believe there's a film where Jack Lemon maybe he did finally win his oscar where he plays an alcoholic i think came out after the apartment um i will see if i can pull that up for you quickly the research team <laughs> quietly i can move my my mouse around uh not in this top four on imdb that would be the apartment glengarry glengross uh some like it hot and grumpy old men that's it you agree with the, that's pretty uh, that, that's pretty great mount rushmore there? i mean that there's an argument to be made for sure um save the tiger I think is the mm. film I'm thinking of. I don't know if he won the Oscar for that, but um, yeah, Jack Lemmon, a disillusioned war veteran, has two days to let go of his shaken morals if he wants his small fashion company to survive. What? Jack Lemmon's small fashion company. Okay. <laughs> anyway,
0: see, I think um, I'm you know I'm glad that this movie kind of you know made it into what i what i wanted it to and i'm glad that you agree that it kind of feels classic and also feels modern and i i kind of knew it was after i watched it again because like the first thing i did was i asked you know my mom who's not um i wouldn't call my mom a cinephile she watches a fair amount of movies but she's not She's interested in things that are, like, probably more the stars thing, like something entertaining. Like, I'm not hmm. looking to, like, you know, think about my life. I'm not <laughs> willing to do this to, like, change everything. I just, you know, want to enjoy this movie. Um, so I recommended it to her, and she watched it, and she she really enjoyed it. And she, like, she mentioned, like, how good Jack Lemon was, and it was good to see him in something where he was, where he was funny. Because there's a lot of movies, like, he does comedies, but there's a lot of movies where he's a little bit grumpier. Um, and this is a little more approachable, I think. Sure, awkward, for sure. But, you know, someone you can genuinely root for. So this feels like a classic film, but also something that's kind of approachable for just about anybody. Like, it's not a movie I would have a difficult time, um, recommending to people. It's not a movie where I'm like, well, let me give you this caveat. Like, you should watch it, but here's what you need to look out for. It's like, no, this is just a good, enjoyable, fun time at the movies.
1: Um, so... Which is totally encroaching on my territory. I know. So uh, to uh, lead into my selection, are, uh, are we I switching? had to go the opposite way. <laughs> I had to go the downer. So what are we going to be Area. talking
0: about in our, in our next episode, Mike?
1: We are going to be talking about, should I even name the filmmaker? Or are we going to lose clicks there? Um, you excuse me he, of he, being combative he, with our non-existent he audience He has the same, ni-
0: same name as a cartoon cowboy from the Toy Story movies. How about that?
1: So now like you're making him sound creepier than what he is. So it's Woody Allen. Gonna, it's Woody Allen. Just... Yes. Uh, we're going to be talking about a film of his uh, called Another Woman, which uh, Dave knew all about. <laughs> Literally, no one has
0: heard of this movie. I don't think Woody Allen remembers this movie. Like, nobody.
1: So, since I've already mentioned him as part of the continuity of the show, I was turned on to this movie for another podcast. I don't even know what show it was for. One of my many. Uh, you know, like me trying to look up uh, Jack Lemon's Oscar, same thing. Look up one of my many acclaimed podcasts. Um, I feel like you're using that word really... loosely, acclaimed. That's, <laughs> I mean, I, I've not seen Save the Tiger in my world, doesn't exist, Mr. Lemon. I don't care what the Academy says. Uh, the movie I was actually thinking of was called Days of Wine and Roses, which oh, came, out, yes. uh, came out two years after, and he does play an alcoholic who marries a young woman and systematically addicts her to booze so that they can share his passion together. Oh, what a and nice
0: guy. That's just, that's, wow. Mm. Okay. So he just became uh, his character that. later in the apartment where he's just
1: plying ditzy blondes with alcohol so he can hang out with well, them. Well, he didn't win the Oscar. So he's like, all right, double <laughs> down on this. Let's go, go harder. Uh, and didn't, he got nominated, but didn't win there. So I do not believe that another woman um was nominated for much. Certainly this is not Annie Hall territory, uh, but this is one of his, uh, many films with Mia Farrow, even though she's not playing the lead in this film. That would be Gina Rollins, who, uh, most people know for her work with her, I think her husband, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Cassetti's. Yeah. I yep. think they were mm-hmm. married. Um, and it is about a, a woman who is in some form of therapy, uh, and our main character overhears. So, I was kind of working off the premise of like movies about an apartment because while well, she rents it out just as a workspace, just so she, she can get some writing done and can focus. Because I mean, these other guys are having
0: a workspace. I mean, it's fine. All <laughs> right, Dave, that's enough out of you,
1: <laughs> pervert. This is why I have to be the one that's like, all right, we need two female leads. <laughs> Let's go with a somber, uh, reflective film about one's life. We choices. have completely switched. <laughs> I had to, you, you went with the apartment. I'm like, what am I, I got to go with, what am I going to do? Fucking wedding crashes yeah. like, okay. <laughs> More broad. I, I will go there. I think that's a star staple. I think they own the rights to that in perpetuity. Um, not another woman, which is currently as of this Hit recording, this <laughs> as of this very moment is on HBO max. So it was available for Dave to say, okay, uh, what is this movie? And it's also, as I remember Benzo pointing out, uh, one of the rare Woody Allen films where he doesn't just open with credits. Mm-hmm. So I tricked Dave into he this. Uh, we actually, we have a, a rare Woody Allen cold open and then he's like, ah, oh, damn, Mike this, has lost our audience motherfucker. right at the start, <laughs> which is fine. I mainly do this just to hear myself talk. So, um, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing, uh, next week, Nineteen eighty eight another woman not Woody Allen's it won't <laughs> 1988 that way. the year owns it <laughs> produced by the year 1988 another woman
0: <laughs> when was the first movie star that you met can you remember uh, yes I, I met uh, Trigger uh, who was Roy Rogers horse um, at a party Actually, I picked him up at a party, and um, we had an ongoing relationship for two years after that. So I'm very proud of him. Did you ever meet Roy Rogers at that time? No, I have no interest in meeting Roy Rogers, but um, I loved living with his horse. But what about the smell? Uh, He didn't mind that so much. (laughs)